Some time ago when my daughter was three years old, we were getting ready for Christmas. The number of presents under the tree were slowly increasing day by day. Caught up in the spirit and the excitement of the gifts and giving as only a three-year-old could, one morning she was picking up, examining, and shaking, and guessing related to some of the gifts that she could see under the tree. Then in a burst of shaking and guessing, sort of in a burst of inspiration, she picked up a big red bow that had fallen off one of the presents that she was shaking, and she put it on the top of her head, and she looked at me with a twinkle in her eye, and she said to me, look at me, Daddy, I'm your present. Well, nothing could be truer than my little daughter and the gift that she was to me from, or is to me from God. Sometimes the very things that we are searching for and searching high and low are surprisingly right under our nose. There's a lot of searching going on in society today. USA Today, US News Report have headlines similar to this in search of Christmas. Time has had one that's come out saying finding God on the internet, searching for Jesus online. Newsweek had one out a while back that said the search for the sacred, America's quest for spiritual meaning. The media in North America has figured out that we as a humanity, that, that we're just one big, large search party. That's what we are as a group, as a humanity. We're asking questions like, why am I here? Where am I going? Where did I come from? What is the meaning of all of this? Is there a purpose in life? Is there a God? And if there is a God, how? How can I know him? Those kinds of questions are being asked by millions of people. And one author I've read refers to us as meaning machines, meaning that what, what meaning is to us is similar to what gas is to an automobile. We need it to move on down the road. Now you've had a lot of common, you have a lot in common with, with a group of people who were at the very first Christmas. There was a search party that was sent out at the very first Christmas, and you've heard about this search party, you may have. The search party were, were referred to as the Magi, or the, the wise men. Some people called them magi. They were, they were, in some people's minds, the three kings that you hear about in some of the Christmas songs. But I think the best term for them is the original search party related to the birth of Jesus. Because that's what they were. They were a search party looking for the Savior. I remember as a, a little kid developing my first experience with the three kings, and this is how I, I experienced them as my little brother taught me this song related to the three kings. And it went like this. We three kings of Orient are, tried to smoke a rubber cigar. It was loaded and exploded. That's how we've traveled this far. That was how I got introduced to the three kings. I did the best I could on that song. 
Oh, listen, you don't have to. So who were these guys anyway? I've had to learn that as I've grown up. Who were these guys looking for Jesus? Who were these mystery men from the East? Who were these wise men, these three men supposedly, and a baby? And the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about these guys. It doesn't tell us or give us great detail on who they are. But this word magi is actually a term for a person who is kind of a combination of an astronomer, a scientist, a doctor, or a philosopher. So these three people, or these people were learned. They were individuals who who were on a pursuit of knowledge in life. They were wealthy. We don't know where they came from. The Bible says they came from the east, so they, they could have come from Persia. They could have come from India. They could have come from China. We really don't know, but we know that they spent four to six months looking for Jesus. We sort of concentrate the story of Jesus' birth into a day or two, but the story that is given to us in the Bible in his birth and the celebration of his birth carries on for months and months and months. What do we know about these wise men really is what they did. The wise men did three things that caused them to find God. And if you're a seeker at all today, or if you're at all curious coming to this Christmas Eve service, and you're genuinely searching for some form of truth in life, we want you to know that there's a God who wants to break through and reveal himself to you, and he does it in the form of a little baby. These wise men, first of all, they searched with all their hearts. If you want to find God today, you've got to be a person who's hungry for truth, and you have to be on a search in life. And of all the important pursuits in the world, I think that faith and the development of one's personal spirit is the most important activity that you and I can be involved in. In Matthew chapter 2, we see the story of these three or four or five. We're not even sure how many. After Jesus' birth, and by this way, this, oh, by the way, this was the same time Uh, This is much later than the nativity, the event in the stable. It says, the wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the child born to be king of the Jews? We observed his star rising and have come to worship him. Notice in the verse it says, there are three things that genuine seekers do. First, genuine seekers are, are on the watch for what's happening in the world. They're curious about world events and the hand of God that is in them. They're alert, they're observant, and they see a star that was different in the sky. They were alert to it, these wise men. Second, genuine seekers, they ask questions. They said, what do you think this means, this star that is in the sky? And they start asking around. What does this sign mean? Where is it? Where do we go? How do we follow it? Third, they did whatever it took to find the answer. And if you're a genuine seeker, I encourage you to do just that. Do whatever it takes to find out the truth. Why am I here? For what purpose? Who makes sense of it all anyway? It's ironic to me, by the way, that when Jesus was born, the religious epicenter of the world was but six kilometers 
down the road, right there where Jesus was born in Jerusalem, all of the, all of the, sorry, in Jerusalem, just six kilometers away, all of the religious scholarship in the world at that time were concentrated in Jerusalem. They were only six kilometers away from where the birth of Jesus happened, but not one religious leader went that six kilometers to pay homage to Jesus who was born in the manger. It's funny that sometimes again, the very things that we are searching high and low for are right under our nose. It is said that these wise men took from four to six months to get there. That reveals a serious commitment of searching. And God creates in every human heart a hunger for origin, for purpose, for meaning. God created you with a God-shaped vacuum that nothing else can fill. Not money, not fame, not pleasure, not having all kinds of things. Only God can fill that God-shaped emptiness within our person. And that's really what you and I are searching for. But the good news is this. While you're trying to search for God, God is searching for you. God wants to get to know you. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He wants you, if you're interested at all. He wants to have a wonderful dialogue with you through prayer. He wants to reveal himself to you in his son, the little babe in a manger who grows and becomes a young man and becomes a, a, a person who, who transforms society, this Jesus. God absolutely loves seekers. He loves people who genuinely want to know him. You don't have to have it all right. You just need to be on the journey of seeking him. And that, my friends, is what Christmas is all about. But initially in the search, the wise men, oh, be seated, please. I see you standing. Uh, yes, yes, be seated. So initially it was a search. Secondly, this thing that the, we learn about the, the wise men in their search is that they saw a star. They saw a star, and the star talks to us, and it says something to you and me about the nature of God, this star. We need to enjoy the fact that God took the first step when it came to our, our search. We humans, we're hungry. We wanna know, we wanna understand. And God took the first step when it came to the wise men, and he takes the first step when it comes to you and I. In the wise men's case, their travel guide was a star, a very special star. It was no mere normal star. A lot of people say that maybe the star was there and following it was, following it was some sort of supernova or some sort of asteroid that by happenstance took them to the Bethlehem area, area. but there has never been a star that would perform like that. There was a very special star that God placed in the sky in his own initiative so as to guide these wise men to their destination, which was Jesus. So on top of that, we don't have any indication in the Bible that anybody else ever saw that star, by the way. It doesn't say that Herod or the people of Jerusalem saw the star. The only people, to our knowledge, that actually saw the star were these wise men. 
And it was a special star. It was custom made for them. And God often does this, my friends. All throughout history, God has used different kinds of instruments to get our attention as human beings. Whether it was opening the Red Sea, bringing down manna from heaven, a pillar of fire by night or a cloud by day, God has always done these different kinds of things to get our attention. He always rewards genuine seekers with clues and travel guides along the way. Coincidental alignments, we might say. And chances are you have a star in your life. You may have just never really recognized it, but God has put it there possibly right under your nose to bring you to him. That star may be a book that you've read, a person that you've journeyed with or experienced something with. It could be a TV show or it could be a movie. It might be an event. It could be a church service such as this. I have no doubt that God has brought people across your path in order to move you in a particular direction. But God does not leave genuine speakers or seekers without a travel guide, without some form of helping you in your search. I remember back when I was a teenager, I was quite lost. I had somehow disconnected with God during a season in my life, and I ended up living at my aunt and my uncle's home. I was... I was, I was sort of a delinquent. I misbehaved significantly. My mother could no longer manage me. I became detrimental to the family home. And mom kicked me out when I was 12. And I think justifiably so. And I ended up at my aunt and uncle's house, a lost person. And from the age of, say, 11 or 12, right through to about 18 years of age, I was angry and lost and, and I found myself fighting and involved in skirmishes and taking my whatever was going on inside me out on the world around me. And, and I remember that I would come home at night, late at night, beyond my curfew, and I would walk to my bedroom and I would hear my aunt on her knees calling out to God for my soul. I remember hearing her prayers related to somehow helping me be, not be lost anymore. I remember her sharing, uh, not sharing, but, but, but playing songs in the house that would speak to me from artists who would talk about Jesus. And I remember all of these stars that God placed in my life. I remember a person from a youth group coming into my neighborhood and and telling me about their youth ministry and asking me if I, would, if I would join her in going to that youth ministry. God puts these stars in front of our lives and he leads us back to himself. And I wonder if under your nose, if God has placed a star, something that begs for your attention, that reminds you of who you are, that brings meaning to your existence, is it not possible that God has given you a star even as he has given it to those wise men?
So the wise men searched. They were led by a star. And where did it all lead them but to the greatest gift of all time, the gift of Jesus. And it was up to those wise people to recognize the baby for who he was. What makes this baby any different than any other baby? Hundreds of babies were probably born around the world that night 2,000 years ago. Why do we split history into A.D. and B.C. over the birth of this baby? What makes him so different? You've got to recognize the gift and appreciate the gift and receive the gift. The Bible says he was no mere baby. He was God gifted to humanity in the form of a baby. The little baby Jesus reveals something deep, deep by way of truth to you and me. If Jesus had not come to earth, you would not know that God is loving and that God is personal and that God is available and that God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. You would not know that God, who is uh, the, the most unbelievable, majestic being ever, he is also humble, willing to come and place himself into our human experience and to be fully God and fully man, but to humble himself to the constraints of a body. This is what God did in sending Jesus in Colossians chapter 1, it says, Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. Do you hear that? This little babe in a manger is the exact likeness of our unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth. So this little baby literally was involved in the creation of heaven and earth in the form of God previous to his incarnation or him coming as a little babe. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Billions of dollars will be spent this month on Christmas gifts. Why do we do that? Because it's God's idea, this whole idea of gift giving. He started the whole thing. He gave the first Christmas gift. The Bible says, for God so loved you that he gave. What did he give? Give. He gave his only son for you. He took the initiative. He took the initiative. He put the star in the sky. He led the wise men, and he leads you and I today. The greatest gift is right under our nose. I know people who celebrate Christmas every year. They put up lights, they put up a tree, they sing the Christmas carols, they go to church, they do all these things at Christmas, but they've never recognized or received the beautiful gift that God has given them this Christmas Eve, this Christmas night. How do we know that the wise men recognized the gift? How do, we, how do we know what they really realized that they were worshiping God? We know because of the way they reacted. 
when they saw the baby, and we know because of the presence that they gave to the baby. The Bible says in Matthew 2.11, when the Magi, the wise men, went into the house, they saw the child with the mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. Now, I don't know when the last time was that you bowed down and worshiped a baby, but this was no ordinary baby. It says, then they opened their treasure chests and they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In other words, they gave everything that they had. They laid it all out. They recognized what was right under their nose. They cherished it. They loved on it. They worshiped it. And they even gave to it. And the Bible says they fell on their knees, they prostrated themselves and said, this is an amazing, unbelievable way in which God has come to earth and put himself in a tiny body and he's going to grow up in this world just like us and experience all that we did and all that we have so we can relate to him and he can show us how much he loves us. You see, sincere investigation, sincere searching of the wise men turned into an, a sacrificial adoration. They figured it out that right under their nose was nothing less than God himself, and God was making himself evident to them. The ultimate spirit of Christmas is worship, and we're going to do that again here in just a minute. But I ask you, before we're led into worship once again, I ask you, have you been searching? Have you been looking? Is there an ache, something of an emptiness within you related to your existence here on earth? Oh, there's reason to have tons of questions related to our human experience. It's surely a painful one at this time. We have wars and rumors of wars. And we've got things happening in Canada we've never had happening before. We've got lots of things happening in the world. I'm okay though, because I know that God is in control. I'm comforted that the Holy Spirit is over it all. I'm comforted by the fact that Jesus, the one we celebrate this Christmas, has given himself for this world that is hurting. And he says, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. So, what has God placed before you? What star? How is he leading you? I know he's drawing you in to none other than the person of Jesus Christ. Will you receive him this Christmas, maybe like you've never done before?